Today's episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. Your company is only as good as the people you hire. When you're short-staffed, there's no time to deal with all the different job sites until now. Thanks to ZipRecruiter.com, you can post to 100 plus job sites with one click and have the best chance of finding that perfect candidate. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. And the BS podcast is also brought to you by HBO because they were nice enough to give me my own television show that launches next spring. Thank you, HBO. Are you excited about the Canelo Cotto fight? I am. On November 7th, there's a brand new Canelo Cotto 24-7, my favorite series, that premieres on HBO immediately following a boxing doubleheader headlined by Timothy Bradley fighting Brandon Rios. Check it out. HBO, November 7th. Yeah. Uh, Chris, Chris Ryan's not going to like this. He's, as, he's East Coast for life. Try to contain yourself. Can you pick Josh Rowland? I'm sorry. I I'm sorry to have Biggest Smalls. I know. It's like my Mob Deep listener uh, card got pulled just now. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to deal with it. You're in the Bill Simmons podcast. You're listening to Tupac. Uh, this is exciting. Um, we have an old friend who's joining us today. Yeah. One of your closest friends on the earth. Yeah. Your pot, your former podcast partner. Yeah. Eventually your podcast partner again. Yes. Andy Greenwald. Andy Greenwald. Hey guys. Woo. <laughs> What's going on, man? Listen, now here's my, here was my goal in life. You guys, you know, we like to talk about the television show Mad Men, which recently ended. Sure. You guys remember the episode Shut the Door, Have a Seat, right? That was when they suddenly just ghosted on the agency and started a new agency in a hotel room. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I remember. All, all I wanted... <laughs> was not to be Paul Kinsey. I just didn't want to be Paul Kinsey. I wanted to make it to season four or season five, and I feel I feel honored. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Well, ironically, we had been talking about this for a while, about reuniting you and Mr. Ryan on, on a podcast because you are you were writing a book. Is that correct? Yep. That's right. And you, had, you needed time to work on the book, and the timing was kind of perfect. And the one part we couldn't figure out was, well, the Grantland and... and, and then Grantland got liquidated. Yeah, and Andy, that that book is called "I'm Not Kinsey." That's right. That's, it's called "I'm Not Kinsey: My Own Explorations in the Human Sexual Response." <laughs> do you have a title for that book? Is it I called do. like "I'm Not Going to Apologize for What I Said About True Detective Season One"? Or is that too long of a title? <laughs> no, it's that since I'm now on a podcast sponsored by HBO, apparently I'd like to apologize for everything <laughs> I've ever said about True Detective. That's true. That's a good point. You that's know how what? wobbly I am. No, the, the book is called "How to Watch TV." Good title. Yeah. I've always wanted to know. <laughs> because it's time. It's time people really figured it out. You know, I feel like they've been doing it wrong. Is it mostly an explanation of how to use a universal remote? Listen, I've got six remotes, <laughs> and I don't know how to use any of them. So I'm actually the worst person. You've have, actually only been watching one channel for six years. <laughs> it's just been straight QVC, but I feel like I've gotten some good deals, and uh, I'm ready to take it to the next level. Well, let's talk TV. Yeah. So go ahead. I'm just going to be... I'm, listen, this is your guys' thing. I'm just sitting here. Well, I'm going to be it. your third man in off the top rope. It's, it's weird because we're like having our reunion, and but we're doing it in your office, so you can feel free to jump in at any point. Yeah, I'm yeah. just kind of sitting here. Uh, Andy, you know what? This is It sucked because we were off the air for the last couple of weeks, and TV got real good. TV got real good. I feel like our last show... Our last show, we were saying that you know network TV came back and it was terrible, but yeah. finally things were about to pop off again. We had a lot of shows to talk about. All, all of our all of our wacky friends from the CIA came back on Homeland. Um, all of our Hardy survivors and the leftovers came back. A show that you and I personally influenced every frame of. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, is that and, true? Uh, how, how accurate is that? I mean, he said it. In an, David Lindelof said it in an interview that he that they did certain things in the in the leftovers just to piss me and Andy off. <laughs> 
Damon is a extremely, extremely nice guy who has been really a big fan of the Chris and Andy show, uh, whatever it will be called in the future, and said as much and was very sweet about the ending of our previous show. But he also absolutely said in multiple interviews that that crazy opening with Clan of the Cave Bear woman, like, you know, seeing mythical birds and birthing babies and snakes, was specifically done to piss us off. <laughs> well, I have... This reminds me of something I wanted to bring up at some point during this podcast. I've stopped watching The Walking Dead. Okay. And I really like The Walking Dead. I never wanted to stop watching it, but now I have two full episodes on my DVR that I have not watched. Is that, that's a first, where you're falling that far behind. I, I've always, I always watched it in the moment. And I'm starting to wonder if it's the same reason I stopped watching The Leftovers, which is I'm entering this world that's just sad and unhappy and bleak and... There's no upside and, and no ceiling for anything to really improve ever. Yeah. It's just going to always be bad. And it's like, I just don't know if I want to be in that world. I, mean, I, I just, it brings me down. I get unhappy. Is that a weird way to think about well, TV? No, Andy, do you think that there is like in general, like would, would you say that, I mean, you were joking about the Mad Men stuff, but coming out of that era of television, are we are we going into maybe a tonal shift where like people want a little bit more sunshine on their Sundays? Yes. I mean, yeah, I think so. I know I do. I just feel like it's always been sort of a weird fit for those shows to be on Sunday night. And I feel like our, our old friend David Jacoby always described the ideal way to experience The Walking Dead, which was at the end of a long day of, of imbibing, treating yourself right, watching football, and then you could sort of sink into it as like a, like a sort of a crazy adrenaline shot at the end of the day. But it's just a huge downer now that it is. And with Leftovers, too, that's kind of not how I want to start my week. It's I agree rough. with you. I, I feel like... I'm, I'm surprised that the ratings for Fargo Season 2 aren't even better, because the thing about Fargo is that it's actually kind of fun, and I miss watching TV that's fun. I feel like that's kind of the, the next big place for TV to go, especially these big dramas, because they can't get any darker, so, not but, after these two shows. Do you foresee a world in which like these Sunday night prestige dramas, though, can they get... I mean, can drama be fun on Sunday night? Can these sort of... Well, yeah, I mean, you, you guys can jump in on this, too, but, we, you know, we joked about Mad Men. We, we, we obviously all love The Sopranos, and, you know, we all remember what a last fest The Wire was. But, but seriously, like those, those other ones, <laughs> Sopranos, and, Sopranos and Mad Men were serious dramas, and serious stuff happened, but they were both extremely funny half the time, and they also were kind of escapist, you know? Even, no one, like, the people who made those shows, like, definitely David Chase with The Sopranos and definitely Matt Weiner with Mad Men, did not want you to walk away from those shows being like, oh, it'd be so fun to whack people and or drink that much. But yeah. sometimes at the end of a long week or weekend, maybe you kind of think it might be. We forgot about the hilarious Ray Donovan. <laughs> um, I'm glad it took us 35 seconds to get to <laughs> Bill Simmons' cavalcade of Showtime shows that only is to watch. No, I don't. I don't watch Ray Donovan. And Homeland is just kind of on as I'm. Going through emails. But I, I think Homeland's I found its level, though. This is exactly yeah. where I want Homeland to be. I don't what want Homeland... It? Like, it's second screen television. Like, I can look at Twitter while I'm watching Homeland, yeah. and I can zone out if there's a subplot on Homeland that I'm not interested in. So it's but a it's, Lakers game. No, but it's intellectual. It's like a little bit more intellectually stimulating 24. Also, this year, they really hit Pater with... It's, it's almost entirely comprised of, like, trending topics. It's like Syria, Snowden... You know, all, all the things that it's about this year are exactly what's in the New York Times every day. It, and it's, it's just been a lot smarter about how it's used its characters. Like it built, so it's now it's a watch. It's pretty good. Everyone is getting double-crossed, and everyone's kind of on the run and a little bit under the gun. And it's a lot more entertaining than it has been in, a lot, in the last few years. They've got good guest stars. But I also just kind of, I, and I feel like a lot of people are like this, just kind of had to make peace with its faults. You know, like yeah. if I get upset when I'm watching it, 
I, it's easy to do that. Like when you realize they're filming in Germany and all the German characters speak English to each other with heavy accents. Mm. Like we can deal with subtitles now. We can do that. But at the same time, it's entertaining and engaging in a way that it hasn't been before. So it's just... I just want them to be more on top, like more on trend. Like I want them to be even more current. I want Carrie to buy a Volkswagen Jetta and just be like, oh no, I'm poisoning the earth. Like, <laughs> These emissions are all wrong. <laughs> I shouldn't have bought the Q7. You here's know, my, um, here's I, my I, other I, thing about Homeland okay. is that I feel like it's kind of, it's kind of the test case for the, the potential downsides of where we are with serialized drama TV, which is... This show, this season, where they're in Berlin and there's information out there and leaks and the Russians are coming, would be so good if it wasn't also dragging the heavy corpse of the last four seasons behind it. You know what I mean? Like, every so often, the show sort of does a feint towards, oh, quality drama serialize the characters over many years. So Carrie still has a kid, which no one cares if yeah. he has a kid, you know? Or um, this thing where Quinn is in love with Carrie. No one cares if they're in love. It doesn't matter. Let's just have them, like, investigate stuff and shoot guns. I have two additional thoughts. One is that I think coming to peace with the faults of something is important. I, I remember coming to that point with Peter King's Monday morning quarterback column in like 2004 where it's <laughs> like, okay. you know what? There's stuff in here I like, and I'm just going <laughs> to overlook the Wait, other stuff. Bill, are you saying there are 10 things in there that you like? And maybe well, you maybe, you yeah. Would you say that you would, could you list them by like alphabetical letters maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but I think with TV shows, it's important. It's like certain shows aren't going to be a home run. Yeah. They might be a single or a double. With that said, I think Homeland should have. I think Carrie should have died in a bathtub two years ago. I think she should have overdosed on painkillers and just oh, been dead. Were, and I think it's a better show. And then the I show is about who? It doesn't I you matter. Were suggest oh. that her uh, her baby, instead of be almost being drowned by Carrie, would suddenly like rise up from the water like a gorgon and drown her. <laughs> well, no, serious question. Carrie dies in a ba- Carrie kills herself two years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. Rachel McAdams comes in as the new kind of tough. Like, she's basically playing the True Detective season two character. In Carrie's job, is that a better show? Like, yes, of course it's a better show. There's no question. It has too much baggage. And even this year, um, one of Chris's all-time favorite fantasy actresses, Miranda Otto, is on the show. Mm. And (laughs) The horse lady of Rohan from The Lord of the Rings, my man. And she's such she's a really good actress and she's playing a really interesting part. And I kind of want to just see what's up with her more. You know, the Carrie stuff seems almost tangential to it at this point. It's not a it, it, she's always it's it's this thing that happens with you know everything from um, you know old network procedurals all the way up to Bill your favorite Ray Donovan. It's like it's ultimately going to be about the same person with the same flaws. And we've talked death. about this before, and I think we even we've maybe even talked about it with Bill, where it's you know everything, especially in the movies, and then now you're seeing a lot of television shows doing this with older shows. But this idea of like reboot rebooting franchises. Yeah. If you're going to keep a show like Homeland on for this many years, like, what's the problem with just rebooting Homeland? What's the problem with, like, whether you jump time, go back in time, tell the story from a completely different perspective, or just use the same basic premise? Like, it's not out of the question that people are going to start doing that soon. No, and I think it's probably more likely than not that it'll happen with a show that we, that, you know, the people are talking about. Obviously, X-Files is coming back, Twin Peaks is coming back, but a much more recently killed show will probably be rebooted more quickly than we imagined. But the reason with Homeland specifically is, for as much as people like us have complained about it, the ratings have been really steady and really good. Mm-hmm. It's still Showtime's prestige show. I mean, that's the one that gets nominated for Emmys. Claire Danes gets nominated. Mandy Patinkin gets nominated. And whatever they are doing is working just fine for them. It's just not really always working fine for us. You know, it's in, this is a, I love this topic because I think sometimes people make the mistake of not realizing that characters have too much baggage. And we talked about this before, but Entourage is the same way. Like, they should have gotten rid of everybody and kept Jeremy Piven and just started over with a new Entourage, yeah. like, after season five. With Homeland, 
I can't watch Homeland in a serious way because Claire Danes was insane on the show. Yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, she's a little insane. It's like, this is, is a crazy person. And they overlooked all this stuff. And now she's like running CIA stuff again. And I just can't get past it. It's like a fatal flaw. So for me, the show would be better off if she just died. Yeah, I mean, at least they're leaning into that right now, right, Andy? I mean, with the plot, like, did you see uh, two weeks ago's episode? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so spoiler alert if anybody isn't up to date on But she's working now. She's working for this, like, German philanthropist. She's his head of security. And she gets, there's an attempt made on her life when they go and visit um, a, a, a refugee camp. And... Uh, she decides that she has to figure out who did it. And to do that, she goes off her lithium. She just oh. says, I'm going to go off lithium because it helps, makes me help. Yeah, it'll be clearer. fine. Yeah, it'll be and fine. Then she does the whole thing wrong. with the cork board it, and all the pictures yo, around her. It, it was literally like the Ray Velcoro, just like a little by myself meeting he had with the eight <laughs> ball of cocaine and the punk records. Like, I wish that that scene had been transposed into Homeland because at least it would have been fun. Instead, it really felt more like this is a core element of the character and we have to service it. When nobody cares, yeah. I don't when, think anybody watching. It's Homeland weird. Is it's like, not, it's like it's like. Well, we got Batman. He's got to get into the Batmobile. It's like, right. We've got Claire Danes. She's got to get off lithium. <laughs> when you said she got a new job, the 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 end of that sentence should have been she got a new job working as a diner as a waitress because that's the only job <laughs> Carrie Matheson should have after what she did the first three seasons. Can you imagine her LinkedIn page? Like, she, <laughs> yeah, a couple years at the CIA up. may have had some hiccups along the way. Would love to provide some references, but they all died in an explosion at the but, CIA building in season one. This Andy. is one of the more interesting things about the collision of old TV into new TV, because the thing about old TV, and it's kind of comic books were like this too, like the baggage of history just becomes unbearable, but yet the people who work in it and who have worked in the trenches for a long time really consider that part of their craft and their job, sort of continually wiggle out from under the weight of it. So I'm pretty sure that like having a, making a main character have a baby is the ultimate TV unforced error. It never adds anything, and it always Ever. makes the character worse, and it always... Has, they always then have to write themselves out of it. But yet, you know that in the Homeland Writers Room, which is staffed with veterans of like decades of good TV shows and, and a, lot of, a lot of smart people in that room, they were like, no, this is perfect because this is the ghost of Brody and it adds so much depth. But you still don't want to write it or watch it, and that's where they keep screwing up. Do they, uh, the Damage Woman TV character power rankings, mm -hmm. <laughs> carries clearly one. It might even be number one historically. Yeah. I don't even know if anyone's topped her ever. Uh, Ruth Wilson on The Affair is a clear number two at this point. <laughs> I really but like it does that. seem like TV is just gravitating toward anti-hero males. Yeah, they flipped it to and, difficult and just, women. Yeah, and incredibly damaged women. And the Rachel McAdams True Detective season two, and it just seems like that is now the new blueprint for how to do dramas. Yeah, and it's, it's sort of, it's, I was going to say it's sort of frustrating, but it's really frustrating because it's, it's this idea that like, oh, well, this is how we write women is we just, just dump all the same garbage on them that we dump on the male characters, when in fact, like, the really interesting or unique story to tell would be one from a completely different perspective. It's not just another, like, you know, um, it's another dumpster for all the, the anguish and alcoholism that all the other characters have been slogging through. I mean, I, I, I'd like to think that True Detective Season 2 may have been the nadir of this stuff, but it, it, it probably wasn't. And you know what's funny about True Detective Season 2? Big success all the way to the end. Yeah. Like, I think 12 million people watched the season finale. It hit this... Vor and this is why I don't think HBO minded. It hit this vortex of it was still super duper relevant. It had relevant people on it. It had a couple people giving really good performances and it frustrated the hell out of everybody. Yeah. And it owned the internet on Monday and Tuesday every time after they had an episode. 
And ultimately, I don't think necessarily it didn't hurt the franchise. It was also a limited investment. There was none of the speculation about like, how are they going to fix it? How is it going to, what's going to happen next year when they have to figure out what's going on with this character, that character? Everybody knew what was going to happen. Everybody knew no matter what was going to happen, it was going to happen within an eight episode, two month period of time. You had, it was a limited investment. I think the only correct answer to the question, you know, what was funny about True Detective season two is nothing. And that was one of the problems. (laughs) Like, we need a little more laugh with Detective Ray Velcoro and his bolo tie. But, but how many conversations did it spawn, yeah, you know? Well, it's like... You're, it, well, you're it, right about the fact, I definitely think you're right, that, that all these networks are out there trying to monetize things that they might not have monetized before, and one of them is conversation. Like, if people feel the need to see it, the networks don't really care if they need to see it because they love it or because they need to see why everyone's saying how awful it is. Like that's, Or if it had good it. things and bad things. Like, you guys talk about Fargo, and I know it's a good show. I've never made the sit-down commitment to watch it. I've never heard anyone have a Fargo conversation, you know, and, and I think that matters in the big scheme of things. I know it's doing well. I know I get nominated. So you for feel stuff. like oh, sometimes being bad is almost good. It's like if you if you're like bad enough to provoke a conversation. I don't know. Here's the thing with True Detective season two. I don't know if it was bad. Mm-hmm. Like I think bad is something where you go, I can't watch this anymore. Yeah. Like the leftovers for you know i know some people like it but for me i just was like i get away from the show yeah. i just i don't want to be with these characters i don't have anybody to root for true detective season two every time rachel mcadams was on the screen i was really into it like i really i really liked that character i was rooting for her, and i thought colin farrell who i've had a tortured relationship over the years and chris and i are the only two people who love the miami vice movie <laughs> but i'm always rooting for Did colin I farrell that the miami vice movie has gone up in my estimation in the last two I, or three I'm years i'm all in i yeah. own the blu-ray i'm all in on the miami vice movie great no, cuba footage no one loves that more than chris <laughs> listen i'm not gonna defend it but anyway i think it had pieces of things and sometimes in tv now you just need pieces and that's almost enough to get by i think that there's I would, something you go ahead andy I was just going to flip it and say that this is the, the real danger we're in for the next year with, with dramas, and we saw it a lot in the, the fall pilots and the networks, is that we're, we're reaching the same, we're, TV is reaching the same point that movies have reached, which is noisiness matters more than anything else, because it is a serious problem getting people to watch stuff. Mm. Like, I, I was a big, and I still am a big defender of season two of Halt and Catch Fire, but because season one was bad, and I thought it was bad too, no one came back to see it, because you basically get one chance to impress people, and then you're out. And they haven't figured out a way to monetize this the idea that, well, five seasons of Halt and Catch Fire will be valuable to AMC once it's on Netflix and people catch up with it. So instead, you have these pilots that are basically like, you know, like movie trailers are now. They, as noisy as possible, as loud as possible, as big and basic as possible, just to get people in the door. And then that doesn't leave them enough time to figure out what to do with them once they're actually in the door. Yeah, the, good, the good analogy is like there are lots of shows. I think I, I love Fargo. I think Fargo is the best thing on television right now, but it's actually yeah. a worthwhile thing to mention here where it's like it's almost like watching the hawks last year like you knew what you were watching was basically perfect but yeah. sometimes you want to see a guy take a long two and then scream at his coach yeah, yeah you know and just have something to talk about the next day instead of like what another great backdoor cut there right you know it's like really good acting <laughs> yeah exactly it's just like oh it was no perfect again like sometimes you're like that episode sucked that was great you know like I would say that's actually an argument for the leftovers. I was just going to say that 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 was in a, in a weird way like the what the leftovers were doing is I can't remember a show, e- even True Detective, where I'm genuinely like I have no idea what I'm about to watch. Yeah, yeah. anything is possible, and and it's messy in the yeah. way that like really good art is because he's Lindelof is just putting it out there, and sometimes it's like uncomfortable to watch in a good way. Sometimes it's just uncomfortable to watch in an embarrassing way, but it's out there, and it is not. It is not like market research. It is not noted to death. So that that alone makes it interesting, and it makes it a lot more 
you know, it, it makes it a lot more em, em, emotional in a way for us too to invest in. If we're than, talking than about un- clinical, if we're talking about uncomfortable things to watch, can we talk about the Nick? Yeah, we should talk about the Nick. So I don't know if you watched the Nick at all. No, but I'll listen. So it bothers me that that Andy liked the Nick so much. He actually turned me off. It was like he was like my friend who was telling me to go to some restaurant over and over again to the point that to spite him, I haven't gone yet. Uh, this is, I mean, it's so good. But yeah, uh, y- you know, like I, it's t- it's it's a tough ask to tell people like let's watch some early twentieth century eye procedures. <laughs> That's a tough ask. Oh, I disagree. <laughs> It is like I do you think they should be lead- maybe they're doing it wrong though to be honest like I feel like they're leading Cinemax is leading with that oh here Steven Soderbergh has made like this incredible you know artistic triumph maybe they should just be like Friday 10 p.m. watch someone have a syringe full of liquid cocaine injected into his eyeball like the <laughs> rating would be happen? much better yes it does <laughs> my god <laughs> and and he felt terrific yeah so. I, I think one of the things for me is there's just too much TV, which is always an excuse now to not watch something like Fargo. Right. Where before, like 10 years ago, if Fargo was on, I would have watched it because there just wasn't enough choices. And I, and I mean, there's so much different things going on with TV right now. We have this Netflix model where they dump all of them mm-hmm. together at once. And you find yourself, it's almost like deciding whether you want to go on a double date with someone, hey, do you have room to go on November 14th? Yeah. Do you want to go on a yeah. date? Or, hey, do you want to go away for the weekend? And I feel like that's what, what watching TV has become. Where I see this show and it's like, so this is 11 hours. And you do this calculus in your head. All right, do I have 11 hours? What if I get into the show? Do I have four hours that night if I want to watch it? Yeah. And in a way, it's it's be, it, you kind of talk yourself out of it sometimes. It's, it's an enormous commitment. And I was starting to tell people in the last year at Grandland that, like, I don't know if my job was critic or if it was just, like, um, wealth management consultant. Because yeah. people yeah. had a ton of options and they had limited time. And so it was up to me to basically tell them where to invest their time. And they got really mad if I steered them wrong because their time is precious. And as you said, like, if you watch one episode of something, you're basically expected to watch 12. So I think the next big frontier and the thing that I'm excited about with TV is half hours. Like half hours are getting really creative, really interesting, and they just feel so much lighter. Yeah. You know? Well, it's almost it's it's interesting, Andy. Ever since like we took this quick this break that we had, you know, I don't feel the pressure necessarily to know every single thing that's happened on every show the morning after it's happened. Or you, mean, you know, like the way the way you were worried about the Americans and the bridge. Yeah, we that was the, those were primary concerns of mine for the last couple of years. <laughs> And now it's like almost weird. I got kind of rediscovered the binge watch. Like I watched all of season, this season of Homeland in a, in a day and a half. Nice. And it was just like really fun. And you realize you forget some of these shows are actually constructed to trigger that. Like it's almost like back to when you used to watch 24. But this season of Homeland is very good binge watch. And it, it's kind of fun to like go back and experience different ways of viewing television. Because for a while there, I think that because of Mad Men, because of these shows that were like, well, oh, you gotta be able to talk about it on Monday morning, it almost felt a little bit like homework. Right, yeah, I, was, and- I was watching that show, uh, the new Amazon show, Steve Buscemi's The Bookie. Yeah, yeah, it's a great one. This is the one that Brian Cranston's producing. <laughs> I, was trying, a- I was trying to rope you, you guys listen to that. your podcast? <laughs> I was waiting for that. This is my new thing now, is to make up fake shows to, to people and see and see if they bite. Like, no, no yeah. I, I've heard good things about that. Did, it's did not actually a show. Did you hear me just panic? Like my entire body <laughs> clench up from 3,000 miles away? You're like, Steve shit. Huh? Like, did you hear, you hear me frantically Googling Steppenwall and Bookie and Buscemi in the background? The other problem I think these shows have, like we watched the first show of Red Oaks. 
okay. which is right. on Amazon. Is this and, also a joke? No, this is a real show. It's this is uh, David Gordon Green. Yeah, and it's it's basically set oh, in the, the 80s. One. It's like Caddyshack yeah. crossed with 80 different 80s things okay. you've seen in your life. And it was it was pretty good. But did I want to go in for another 10 hours? No. Right. I, I watched one hour and I was done. And I think that happens a lot, too. You're oh, seeing yeah. more sampling than ever. Did you yeah, watch I, uh, Man in the High Castle? No. That's the, the one that's based off the Philip K. Dick story about what if... Is it based off Philip K. Dick? Yeah, it, it's it's what if the if the Axis powers had won World War Two? So it's an occupied America. Yeah, it's America occupied by Germany and, it, and Japan. The pilot was beautiful, and the whole series is coming, I guess, very soon. I think this month. Um, Andy, can the, the can the Luther model work going forward? Because you talk about like wealth management, time management, all that stuff, where you just have four episodes, and and it's almost like watching. A, a really good four hour movie and then it's gone for a year and you have one or two characters you get attached to and maybe that's where stuff's going a little bit I, I think that model the British model works really really well both in terms of um, audience engagement but then also just flexibility like people can go like Sherlock yeah. you know Benedict Cumberbatch is becoming a big star but he still goes back and does Sherlock because he, he only has to do you know essentially a movie he does three hours whenever their schedule is aligned and it works really well for them but traditionally, that hasn't worked in America for a number of reasons, one of which has been, like, you know, just building an audience and maintaining an audience, but two, the way the talent contracts work, you know, like, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of the companies in this in this country, they want to find the next Benedict Cumberbatch or whatever, but then you want to sign him to a seven-year deal, because chances are, if he's on a hit show, the next thing he's going to do is pull a David Caruso and, you know, and go make the global multi-million dollar smash jade but didn't like they used to, to do them. that like on cable in like the in 80s and 90s like tom Selleck would make a movie where he kept playing like he played the same sheriff like six times and it's like based off of a like, Moore book or something like that yeah well, he did do that didn't he and then he yeah, would just come back every two or three years and make another one and you'd just be like Selleck's back but nobody cared you know what I mean? like, <laughs> oh i cared yeah <laughs> As the only America's only Blue Bloods fan under the age of seventy, Bill cares. I watched ten minutes of a Blue Bloods and couldn't tell if it was set in Boston or New York. I have an embarrassing confession. So Battle of Network Stars has been on a lot on ESPN Classic. Uh-huh. And there's so many different great reasons to watch it, but really the number one reason is to see what actors were unbelievable athletes back then. <laughs> and Selleck was like Bo Jackson. <laughs> It was unbelievable. Selleck and Patrick Duffy were like the Bo Jackson, LeBron James of early '80s TV, yeah. and and and, uh, and I just have a lot of respect for that guy. Did guys look older then? Yeah, like did well, they, Patrick they Duffy, did. who was considered like a kind of an attractive pinup guy. But when I look at pictures of him in Dallas now, I'm like, he looks like he's 56 years old. It's, like, it was like a more it was more accepted to be like more rugged. You know what I mean? I think it was the cigarettes and the booze yeah. age people quickly. Here's my question. Like, I know, Bill, you always want to bring back the Battle of the Network Stars or Battle of the TV Stars, but yeah. there's, they definitely, there are you know, a million reasons why they would never do it, but one of them is, like, you can't shatter the mystique, because John Hamm, right, he, I feel like he could be an athlete. Like, he, he used to go to the All-Star Game celebrity, whatever, and he oh, would, like, yeah. field the position. He likes that. So he would do it. But then we're talking about Homeland. Like, Rupert Friend, who plays Peter Quinn, and he is a trained, cold-blooded CIA assassin who, like, walks around and, like, rips off bandages from sucking chest wounds and just like gets about his business he is an english theater actor like that would destroy whatever career he's built you know if you ask <laughs> he would to blow out his someone. mcl there's there's a million <laughs> reasons why battle network stars is never happening again but this is way up there i mean it, it's improbable that we had three networks back then and 20 30 million people are watching every show yeah and all these networks thought it was a great idea to let abc have their stars 
that could look bad in any sort of like either they the athletic guy who all of a sudden is athletic or some girl's boob falls out or whatever the hell could happen that would be terrible and they just let it happen yeah sure abc take our talent yeah. like that would never happen i now. know it's crazy uh what other shows do we have to talk about uh well, I like um, Andy. There's some comedies. Like, I mean, we should talk about "You're the Worst," right? I mean, it's still pretty funny. "You're the Worst" is so good. That's a, it's on FXX now, and that's one of the things that I was thinking of when I said that half hours are just more interesting because half hours can suddenly be. I mean, they're ostensibly comedies, so you always have that to fall back on. But they can now do some emotional stuff that dramas just don't have room for because the dramas are too busy blowing up the world. So "You're the Worst" this year is it was an incredibly funny, like sort of toxic. Um, relationship story in the first year about two people who are essentially assholes falling in love this season they could have just kept up with that but instead they've gone really darker and deeper with suggesting that gretchen characters played by ai cash um is just has clinical depression and they're dealing with it in a very honest way and the episode that was on last night um november 4th was just stunner it was one of the best dramas i've seen all year and yet it was still funny and i feel the same way about the new netflix show that aziz ansari did master of none that's debuting tomorrow you saw it or tonight, yeah, that was going to be my last one of my last pieces for the oh. old, the old place. Well, give us give us the yeah, thirty second review. Give me give give us your five best lines. Um, well, you know, I didn't actually write it because <laughs> they didn't want it anymore. Um, but uh, the, you guys know the concept of this. It's it's basically it's kind of a lightly fictionalized Louis type comedy, which is basically Aziz playing a Indian American actor, not unlike himself, in that he loves food and likes riffing on whether people should ever have kids. Um, but he's in New York City. And he's got a sort of interesting, diverse group of friends, and it's relationship stuff. It's not surreal like Louis, but it's really, really funny and really, really warm in a way that was surprising to me. Like, it's just very well made. Um, I, I really recommend it, especially because he cast his own parents as his parents, and his dad is the best actor and comedian on the show. I had high hopes like. for it just because there they were some good behind-the-scenes people involved. Yeah, Mike Sher worked on it, and Alan Yang, who yeah. who was one of the main writers on Parks and Recreation, co-wrote every episode with Aziz. Like, it, it's really quality, and it, secretly, it's one of the best shows Netflix has made because Netflix has made noisy shows, but not that many great ones. How dare you disparage House of Cards like that? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> That's I another know. show I stopped watching. Which when did you stop watching it? In the, the, the China season when they killed Kate Mara, I was done. Oh, I was like, how dare you kill Kate Mara? <laughs> I don't even care what the reason was. Did, I just... did you ever weigh in on? Oh yeah, where are you? Are you Team Kate in Rudy versus Mara Kate? Debate. Um, I've gone back and forth, but right now I'm probably Team Kate. Okay. Yes. But Come she to the did, winner's circle. She did some movie recently that that disturbed me. The Martian. Fantastic Four. No, she did another. She had another choice in there that keep talking. And was I'll, it the movie where she plays the kidnapped woman and and uh, David Oyelowo? Yeah, and then it's like he's got her hostage and reads the Bible to her. <laughs> I didn't see that one, but that sounds terrible. I, nobody saw that one, but I don't know how that got made. Uh, I, I've been saying this for for years. I want a I want a movie or a TV show where the Mara sisters are playing sisters. Yeah, or just why like, can't how hard is this? Why, why can't they remake John Woo's Broken Arrow? <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. I mean, it's I, or something, you know, I mean, or Face Off or anything, you know, like Mary Sisters Face, face off. off. Yeah, that'd be great. Why hasn't there been a Face Off too? I don't know. Wow. Now you're talking my language, Chris Ryan. <laughs> a Face Off with two sisters, but their By faces the way, aren't so. It would just be like there would be that would be the undercurrent, but you know, like they don't look so much alike that they couldn't conceivably do a Face Off. Speaking sh- of Broken Arrow, I, you know, Christian Slater wasn't that wasn't that his. Yeah, that was one of him and uh, it was him and Travolta. It was right around when his stock started dropping. Can, can I just say I met him at a Mr. Robot panel that I did in New York the other week. 
one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Does he still hold on to Broken Arrow as his best work? He carries around a sort of a smudged laser disc of it in a uh, swinger bag. <laughs> Asks if anybody just... needs a side copy. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Kate Mara had Transcendence and then followed that up with Fantastic Four. Transcendence, that was a Fantastic Four. I think Four that was, was a cumulative about. Rotten Tomatoes of like 20. Yeah. Yeah. Not great so, for so, her. But this is not Kate Mara's fault. Kate Mara can't, you know, she, she can only make the plays that are presented to her, right? Like, it's someone, we have to talk about her team. Andy, like, qu- oh, quick pitch, though, for Kate Mara. What, how to use her better? The, the uh, sister show. I just came up with it right now. Okay. Two sisters. Right. Both actresses. Are we just revamping sisters, the show? No. Okay. Two sisters living in LA, both actresses. One of them's more successful than the other career's kind of going one way the other one used to be more successful like when they were younger mm-hmm. made a couple bad choices bad relationship her career's veering the other way there's a lot of jealousy and envy and resentment but publicly they have to pretend they're still close but they're not they're not close at all in fact one of them's undermining the other one and she's sleeping with the girl's boyfriend the but and the girl doesn't know and you got all that stuff going okay you're not in on that first one i can, I'm, can, can I just say that this is? Are you pitching a show, or are you just? I just pe- I came up with it right now. So I, I pitched this, it. Do you do this the Luther model, where it ends with a murder, or are we going to have this for like seven years? No, this is like a really no. It's a four year model, so, and no, it's, it's like a, black. It's like Black Swan, the series. It's like it's, it's yes. dark, dark yes. jealousy. It's 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 got a little hint of Black Swan, a tiny bit of Sisters, so a little bit of Seal Award, a little, a little bit of Natalie Portman. Yeah, and uh, I, I, just a whiff of Danny Collins, just <laughs> a whiff. <laughs> That is that is a spicy aroma. I really I, I saw Danny Collins on an airplane, and uh, I've seen two great airplane movies in a row: San Andreas. Oh, and San Danny Andreas Collins. is a San Andreas was airplane movie. One of the best airplane movies that has ever happened. I had no idea Alexandria Daddario was in it, and that she was playing Carlo Gugino's daughter. Yeah. And I, it, I I really ne- almost needed to take a walk around the plane. I was so fired up after. <laughs> But yeah, and Danny Collins is the other. Danny movie? Collins was excellent. Yeah, hey, who knew? But nobody. I never got the memo. Pacino was back. <laughs> he, he's he's back, but he's the, all the movies he's made. Nobody's seen. He hasn't done like a big big time movie in a while. Oh, I know he's back, but I didn't know Pacino was back. Yeah, Pacino De Niro is reignited. <laughs> but, but only De Niro's taking his shirt off with Zac Efron, right? Yeah. Oh my god. So that's. Um, now, now we're now we're far away from TV. And it's yeah, no, no, we're here. back. Chris is bringing us back. So, Greenwald, what are some of the stuff? There's a lot of mid-season stuff. Well, there is no such thing as mid-season replacements anymore, right? Because stuff just kind of rolls out. And I know that New Girl comes back now. Did, did Fox not have that on because of the World Series, or was it just because it wasn't doing that well? It's because Zoe was pregnant. Right. So they, 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 they did the thing that Parks and Rec did when Amy Poehler was pregnant, where they filmed the first five episodes of the next season last spring, and then they just took off. And then even when they come back, though, I think they, they're coming back with Megan Fox. Yeah, Megan Fox roommate. is replacing Zoe Deschanel for a couple episodes. Yeah. What? Um, mm-hmm. But but you know you're, but actually what you're saying has kind of been kind of interesting in that shows aren't getting canceled anymore. Like every fall there would be disasters so disastrous you know that they would be canceled after one week and then everyone would write, like Viva Laughlin with uh, Hugh Jackman or, or Lone Star, which was actually really good. But it's been interesting this year. Like everything is so kind of whatever, and no one has any better ideas that they're just letting it play out because it's cheaper to just burn off things. Like it, you know it's better to just burn off the bad money than try to throw more money after it. And it's and also just that like it takes. The traditional shows that we're accustomed to just take longer to get made, right? Well, I mean, if we're talking about network stuff, they just they, they really don't know what they're doing. And they've also reached this point where I think 
everyone now used to expect the fall to be the exciting time where we would fall in love with our new best friends, our new favorite shows. Yeah. But now everyone knows that it's just a killing field. And so the, the smarter play is to hold the better stuff for midseason because people are ready for a breath of fresh air. And that's what Fox did last year with Empire. And so basically anything Fox did with Empire is what everyone else is trying to do. Because they, debut, they debuted in January and it felt like an event and it was certainly treated like one. Have the uh, celebrity cameos officially turned people against Empire yet or no? Empire is dipping, but I feel like it's dipping in ratings only because it was so high, no one can sustain it. And they, they burn through plot the way like a Volkswagen burns through, help me with the joke, with the back half of that joke. <laughs> the outer layer of our planet. Thank you. There yeah. it is. This is why we work well together. Um, but, you know, I feel like if they were really serious about keeping that show on the air for like eight years and making all of the money, they would have treated it more like a cable network and, you know, 10, 15 episodes in the spring when everyone's ready. But instead they had to come back, you know, two months later because they needed the quick hit. That's my biggest regret with the OC. Is yep. I've talked about this before. They did five seasons in the first season. Yeah. They 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 ripped through plots to the point like but there you're was saying, nothing like, left. If, you, if the OC had come on today, I mean, I guess that was a, one of the great pilot episodes. But oh, it, that would have been the best Netflix show of all time. Right. But like, I just mean, if the OC rolled things out slowly, would you have stayed watching it today? But the thing is, they wouldn't make it today because right. networks don't make shows for young people. Netflix would have made that show. Hmm. Yeah, it would have been eleven episodes, and the, and it would have been awesome. I you listen, you guys both know where I stand. If you if you put somebody who doesn't have money from the wrong side of the of the the streets in a situation where everybody's rich and wealthy and kind of mean, yeah, I'm in. This is and I don't care it where it is. <laughs> Bill, this is going to bring us back to our number one podcast conversation topic and the only thing that you want to talk about that Chris and I don't today, which is The Affair, which is the bad version of the show that you and I pitched to Hampton. <laughs> I know. Hold this thought, Andy, because our friends at Simply Safe, they're back again. Great. And it's funny because we rented this little house in an undisclosed location in West Hollywood for um, the four people who formerly used to work at Grantland who are now helping me develop a project. We just put in the zip line. We did, we did the Zillicon Valley uh, <laughs> house thing and it was like, should we move the podcast operation there? And then I was thinking, eh, I don't know about the security. I mean, simply safe. Thousands of people who want home security systems get ripped off every day. They write huge checks. They sign long-term commitment commitments contracts with no way out. Well, Simply Safe has no contracts. You'll get 24/7 protection for just $14.99 per month, less than half of what most companies charge. Maybe we should do yeah, Simply protect Safe. Protect your podcast studio with should Simply we, Safe. Should we just protect our our little short-term house? I'm sold. Just based on that read, I'm sold. Um, visit SimplySafeBill.com and get an exclusive offer for 10%. That's S-I-M-P-L-I Safe Bill. Dot com, not hard to not hard to forget. That's no, easier. It I actually you. think we should do this. I'm with you. I, I love that I, house. I like centralizing operations anyway. That I way, think I think Juliet would feel safer. Yeah, I could record a lot more experimental podcasts if I thought I could go to the studio whenever I wanted. You know, don't even get me started. Let's talk about the affair. Thank I, you, Simply Safe. I, I, I just want to ask though: is, is has Chris asked to divide the temporary house into rooms named after? Born Legacy room? Like, is, are, are, is one room the crisis This is the seat? Treadstone room. Like, <laughs> all right, the I, affair. Uh, first of all, I didn't appreciate your comments, but go ahead. No, I'm just saying, like, the show that we pitched, like, you know, The Hamptons yeah. is the new version of the OC, and it would have been terrific. Yeah. And instead, we have, first of all, horse farms on TV 
don't work. It didn't work on The Walking Dead. It doesn't work on The Affair. So, <laughs> and, and frankly, if anyone's ever been to the Hamptons, I've yet to see the horse farms there. You know, you see a lot of things up there, but horse farms are not among them. Um, that, look, I, you're, I, I feel like we need you to defend it because that show, I, I, don't, I don't know who's still in on that show other than like some, you know, the C-suite executives at Showtime. God, I'll tell you who's in on that show. Me? Yeah. <laughs> I have not watched a single moment of this show since the pilot. And the way Bill describes it in his, you know, recaps when he like, he's like, oh, did you guys see in a, the affair on Sunday? Here's, it sounds like the most depraved peep show with the way you describe what's it, going on. In it. it got a little, uh, it got a little NC-17 last weekend. All right, I'll defend it. I love Ruth Wilson. Okay. I think she's a, a great and interesting actress. And I feel the same way about her that I felt with McAdams and True Detective. But even, I think Ruth Wilson is going to be like a real star. I, I think she's she's just really interesting. Every time she's on screen, you don't look away. Um, I like how they construct it, where it's different. The first part is one narrative, and the second part is a different narrative, and it's it, it's kind of a microcosm of how people remember things the way they want to remember them, but not how they actually were. So it's always fun to kind of compare. I like being in the Hamptons. Um, I like shows where there's some mystery that hasn't been. I mean, that's why people Desperate Housewives uh, for a hundred years yeah. for that reason. Uh, and it's just an, an easy an easy watch. So that's my defense. Now pick it apart. Did you see the, 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 the season two posters where it's Ruth Wilson, but, but Pacey is growing in her hair? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't defend those. I'm in on Pacey, too. He defended Grantland after it went down. No, I mean, how can you not love Pacey? All these, all these actors are really good, and they're exactly the actors who I would watch in almost anything. I agree with you about Ruth Wilson. You know how everyone on the line right now feels about McNulty. Should he be playing a Nebuchadnezzar Brooklyn writer? As a Nebuchadnezzar Brooklyn writer, I say no, but thank you for the flattery. Yeah. Um, Maura Tierney, one of the great under-respected actors, certainly TV actors, of the last 10, 15 years. She's always good in everything. But I, they just probably shouldn't have had that affair. You know, It really seemed like it screwed things up for a lot of them. It just seemed like it was a mistake. I, uh, I'm with you on McNulty. And as much as I love the guy and I like the actor... It's uh, it was the wrong guy to cast. It actually would have been better with like a Josh Hamilton type of. What is the deal of... with casting agents just being like? Can can was there no American actor who could have done that job? His accent comes and goes. Yeah, same thing with Rupert Friend. Like he's really good on on Homeland, but I just we, we couldn't have found one guy who was like looked sketchy enough to be an assassin. He's nobody had seen a Brooklyn coffee shop. Yeah, I was watching The Departed last night and trying to decide whose accent was worse, Vera Farmiga <laughs> or Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And at one point, Vera Farmiga, who, who's trying to pretend she's got a Boston accent, she's saying, Cod. Then she says, behavior. I'm like, that's the easiest word. If you're going to fake your Boston accent, I don't know about your behavior. She says, behavior. It's like, that is a, a, a bad accent. How's Nicholson's apocalypse. accent? I can't oh, remember. it's an apocalypse. It's Doesn't an apocalypse. Doesn't he just turn it off for episodes? It's And then it goes, he goes yeah. to New York, and then it's like he's from Queens for part of the movie. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing. There. But I'm this sorry. is how Chris and I felt when we watched the first season of House of Cards, which, like, you know, remember Corey Stoll's character is representing, like, Philadelphia. like the, the, the more southerly parts of South Fishtown outside oh, of Philadelphia. <laughs> and, and everyone talks like they're, everyone talks like they're from Brooklyn Heights. It's yeah, like what this, is the Philly accent? It's, oh, it's, it's like the Baltimore accent. It's like this, you know, basically you say that you're going to go get a glass of water. Yeah, Johan, we're going to go up on the roof and get a glass of water. You want to go, get, uh, get, later? go get yeah. some water to the ponies and watch the Eagles. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the, Sam Bradford's terrible this season, hon. <laughs> the Boston accent is 89% attitude. Uh-huh. 
And then 11% don't say the R's I with words like behavior. I and still feel like I can't. Because like now my, my memory of the accent has been so bastardized it's by attitude. all the movies. When people do it badly in the movies, that it's like CAD. Yeah. Like they think that's how you do it. But it's really like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like attitude. It's like there's right. an anger, resentment, and distrust the whole time with Boston accent. That's what it is. Yeah. Rhode Island I can't I, I can't even pretend to imitate cuz that's like a whole other universe. Well, what about like uh like well Emerald was Fall River, right? Like that that accent is just like that's an incredible That's a one, bad. Like what what was the the Christian Bale movie The Fighter it was set yeah. in Lowell? Yeah. yeah. They did a good job with those accents. Because and, they actually had people from that yes. area in the movie. And too. and that's what Affleck did with the, with uh Gone Baby Gone. And, and, yeah. and yeah. representing our home team, um, Silver Linings Playbook had some Philly accents. There was some Cooper's stuff like that there. in the town, too. Ham went crazy in the town. Ham, uh, he, he put it, I think it's in yeah. there a little bit, and then he brings it out, you know? It's never good when they... This is the not fucking around crew. <laughs> it's never good when scene by scene, it's a different choice for the accent. Yeah. Kind of want that to be the same in every scene. You think that would be somebody's job? I'm surprised. I just, well, after watching Project Greenlight, it seems like people are responsible for all elements of show oh, movies. Good segue. Con- there used to be a continuity person on set, you know, but there isn't one for accents. Oh, we're going to talk about another show I haven't watched, but I'm ready to have an opinion. Uh, go ahead. Oh, you haven't watched Project Greenlight? I haven't. I haven't. Because... There's too much scripted, too much scripted stuff, you know. So I never touched, I never touched the reality. This was more dramatic than any scripted show I've seen in a That's what I've heard. I absolutely love this season, and I was so into it. And I have like such strong opinions about everything. Did you watch the leisure class? I watched the entire leisure class. (laughs) I watched ninety minutes of. But at least it was on film. (laughs) It was, and and the Project Greenlight movies are—they never work out. I mean, like it's—it's. You'd think that after four or five of them, they would have gotten one that was good by now. But the thing is, I enjoyed watching it. Even though the movie didn't work, I still be because I had the framework yeah. of, oh, yeah, here's the scene when, when they, they, he, the guy here's gets the house in the basement. They pick. Yeah. yeah, here's the house, and here's the car crash that didn't work. Yeah. And it, it was riveting. I that, loved the it. car crash scene in, in, the, in, in Project Greenlight in the documentary was one of my favorite scenes I've seen in a long time. Anyone who watched oh, no. this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone who watched the series has to watch the movie. Yeah. You just have to. There's no way to watch the series and then not watch the movie. It's hilarious. Um, sorry, Andy. You missed out. That's okay. I'm just, I'm just listening. I'm just taking it all in. No, it was... Uh, I, I mean, they really lucked out because the director they picked... You, they'll never pick a he better also, director. It was just like a guy who was actually hostile towards almost every element of what they were doing. He was, didn't like the script... It was he amazing. Probably felt stupid being on the show. He hated the fact that anybody was telling him what to do, much less like guys like Len Amato and all these people. He wasn't appreciative yeah. at all. And was basically at the end of it like, I did the best I could with this piece of shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which was his script. Yeah. Can, can I spin it back to you guys? Yeah. Like, what, what currently existing TV show would you like to have a you know, a 24 seven or a project green light about the making of, Oh, oh. The affair. I, I, I've got, I got two <laughs> ideas, but I want to know, I'll take my answer. Off I would much rather watch a making of the affair than the actual affair. Yeah. That's another good one. I've heard some stuff. I would like to hear that. I'd like to watch that. Oh, too. I've also heard some stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Probably True Detective season two would have been kind of amazing. Right? See, the problem with that is I think that those guys, like, I think a lot They're of that polished. was just shot like s- completely separately from each other. So even though there was like a rumor of a kitsch fight, like oh. there was some kitsch, was it Kitchen Vaughn? Oh. There, there was a rumor of some discord, but yeah. but, really? but everything I've heard about that was that 
you know, that, that, that Pizzolatto, who made the show, and the big stars that he attracted and that he clearly, you know, flattered and, and star-whispered to to get them to do this stuff, they were just kind of in a bubble with it. And I think that they were all super into what he was making and bought in. So everything I've heard was that it was relatively fine. It was just secretive. There but, will be a big defense of it two years from now. It'll be like a second look at Revisiting Tech season the, the two. G- the genius, yeah. Better than I we thought. That, Chris, I know you know and our listeners know that I'm, I, I don't really have the, the bandwidth to watch The Good Wife but everything I've heard about Julianne Margulies oh Margulies yeah the Margulies Archie Punjabi beef Archie is Punjabi great. thing like that, that is so that is truly fascinating so now it's watching. like so they I did their last story. scene together it was CGI it was split screen and now every episode that I watch of Good Wife I'm like is this CGI is Baranski really there is <laughs> this do, CGI did Baranski do, did she do a great job we don't know <laughs> she did her outfits have been dynamite this year but what um, could have happened I, for two actresses who spend their whole lives pretending to be other people not being able to pretend to be two other people in the same room but, together like uh, short of I, I don't even know I mean obviously there's, to that degree because you know how what percentage of actors and actresses actually hate each other it's pretty high also this is CBS this isn't like this isn't Project Greenlight. Like you'd think that they would have contracts that were like, I'm sorry that you're upset of this person, but you have to come to work and, and do this job. And they job. both won yeah. Emmys. You know, yeah. I think like it's worked out pretty well for them. Um, uh, it's certainly, I've spent more, the most time I've, I've Googled something in the <laughs> last five years and gotten the least amount of satisfying answers for. Which is and, insane and, when you think of, where yeah. is the Woge for the good wife? <laughs> and, well, where is the you, Woge bomb? I know, where, I know where he is. He's in that house with you. It's Juliet. And even she hasn't gotten to the bottom of it. Um, <laughs> Woj Bob. But the other thing, the show I would most want to watch the behind-the-scenes making of is Empire, because it a, absolutely feels like it's going to break apart like a meteor at any moment. Yeah. Two, they basically said at a TCA thing, and I'm definitely paraphrasing and getting it slightly wrong, but someone asked them point-blank, like, why did you give Terrence Howard's character a debilitative, a debilitating fatal disease in Episode 1 if you were going to cure him of it in Episode 10? And they, they more or less said... Because we didn't know if Terrence Howard was going to be a lunatic or not, and we needed an out. Yeah. And Terrence Howard was sitting there laughing about it. When they was it with the Globes or the Emmys or when Taraji and Terrence were on stage together, and Taraji was just like, "You are a disturbing person." Like she just like straight <laughs> yeah, up like he looked at him, like just like you are alarming me. <laughs> but but also like this is the show where when they were filming the season premiere, they wrote a character for Chris Rock to play where he is an incarcerated gang leader who, by the way, is also a cannibal. And this was Chris Rock's idea. And they sent it to the network, and the network said, nah. And they just did it anyway, because Lee Daniels doesn't care. Right. And they just shot it anyway, so then they had to edit it. So there are all these references to Chris Rock being like, this meat is delicious. Well, another guy cries, but he's just apparently eating normal meat. What? So I would like yeah. to watch that show. Um, can, we, can we flip the script for a second? Sure. So... You guys had uh, you guys had a pretty good following for your pod, yeah. And then all of a sudden you left. Uh huh. And what kind of feedback did you get from people? Were people sad? Were they people were did like, people think it was like Shawshank, where <laughs> one guy left and the other guy was still there? Like what? Like what was it like? It, people it was, have been uh, really nice. People have been really nice. It's been like I I wrote a, a book about emo, and this was much more emo than that. Like people were very very sweet about it, and. Uh, yeah, like I, I, people were offering to like Venmo us money to record our phone calls, yeah. which I think was very nice. Is that true? Because um, yeah. we had a good time. It was a great run. You know, um, did, I don't know if you guys did this, but like when the football season started and I wasn't able to do a pod with Sal until week four, like the first week, we I think the first week we did a long phone call, almost like we did them podcast guest the lines, and it just, 
it kind of made both of us sad. So the so next wait, two weeks, we just mailed each other the lines. <laughs> you, you guys did it just to have it as a re- like on the record, right? We did it like, hey, would you guess here? And like just two buddies talking, yeah. which was basically what the podcast sure. was. There was no real difference. And it just felt so weird to be like, oh, yeah, let's do this as friends and nobody will Can ever hear Can you imagine it. if I called you on Monday and be like, let's go over last night's shows, big guy? <laughs> the truth is, Chris and I haven't spoken in six weeks. Yeah. It's like a Juliana Margulies, Archie Punjabi situation. But we're being such, CGI. I, he's not actually here. We're such professionals. <laughs> and all of Andy's bits here were pre-recorded. <laughs> yeah. I do think with podcasts, though. It's so much more of a personal thing with the listeners than writing is because you, you kind of invade people's lives. Like right now, somebody's listening to this and they're working out or they're in a car. You're doing great. Or they're, yeah, they're, they're on. Yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> Get that treadmill. Go 10 more minutes. <laughs> or they're, uh, you know, they're, they're in bed at night or they're at work pretending like they're doing some project, but they're really listening to us. And it's like, you're part of their life. Yeah. And, it's like with a blog post or a column or something, people can click on it, but you don't know if they're reading it. And podcasts, they actually listen to it. It also did the same thing for us because having the podcast allowed us to indulge our, our, our crazier obsessions with things like the career of Colin Farrell and the interviews of Jeremy Renner and like crime fiction where, where you know people like get their hands chopped off. So connecting with people about that was very rewarding. Well, very I, nice. and to be honest, you didn't go far enough with the Jeremy Renner interview. I know. Now, well, we, I feel like that it, should be Ren- its own podcast. Renner has been taunting us with all his action in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he has a, <laughs> we have a lot to get to. Um, <laughs> Renner is the most mysterious person of the last 15 years. I think years. he's really indulging himself, too. I think he's yeah. like, you know what? It's probably not going to happen for me as a major movie star anymore, so why don't no. I just be really weird? But you know what? He was great in the town. Yeah, he was good. He has the town. And he was locker. awesome. He's great in her locker. He's great in her locker. I don't know how to channel that. Like, all right, let's say they made a movie about Wes Welker. <laughs> about, he had 11 concussions in <laughs> Wes are Welker. Well, no, just like some short receiver who just keeps getting concussions yeah. and, and then keeps w- on to play like a modern North Dallas 40. Could we do the Kentucky Derby part? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but couldn't Renner play like. Wes Welker, nor, modern day North Dallas Forty. Like I feel like he needs to make a sports movie. So r- r- we'll call it the slot, and he plays. It's, slot. A, it's about the slot receiver. Yeah, starring Renner. He's a little long in the tooth to play Welker, but let's. I'm. I'm How old is Renner? I think he's got to be in his forties, right? Yeah, he's 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 like early forties. Um, you guys don't. Well, Andy has it has a child, but way too young to uh, be stuck watching terrible movies with them. My kids love Adam Sandler. And uh, I'm just made me think of like somebody being miscast in the wrong role. Yeah. My kids love Adam Sandler and they love this movie Pixels. Oh, yeah. That he made, which I think was a little bit geared toward my generation and maybe even as, as young as your generation, yeah. too, where because it's like 80s video games. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, Adam Sandler is, is the Pied Piper for kids. My kids love every Adam Sandler movie. Because he so, makes funny voices and yeah, does and it's just stuff. They love it. He's He knows how to appeal to kids between 5 and 11. So I'm not going to trash the movie. I just wanted to point out that Kevin Smith put, or Kevin James plays the president of the United States. <laughs> He's the president of the United <laughs> yeah, States yeah. in the movie during an alien invasion. <laughs> and I don't know if either of you can top that as the most unrealistic movie slash TV president that's ever happened. Because I feel like Kevin James, we've peaked. Oh, I, I thought you were going to link it back to accepting Jeremy Renner as the front man of a rock band like he does in his Remy Martin commercial. Which yeah. is the oh, second well, I was saying that Je- like Jeremy Renner as Wes Welker. As a, a slot receiver. <laughs> yeah, Who would play Brady then? <laughs> oh, Leo. They, you oh, got to you got to do it How, that way, right? You are we talking to. about a Deflategate movie here or what are we talking about? That that hurt my feelings. <laughs> I didn't like that. Uh, no, if you're making a and movie. And Pacino's about- back, so he could play Belichick. 
Pacino's my favorite football coach ever in a movie. Uh, he's an incredible football coach. I Might even be my that. favorite sports movie coach. I think ever. Kyle Chandler's still my favorite football yeah. coach, but mm. but Pacino's got the best, probably the best speech. Pacino's yeah. great in that movie, and who would, you know who's rather hear underrated? The greatest part about any given Sunday is still James Woods. Oh, he is the trainer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is funny, though. All these football movies from the 90s, concussions are a huge part in every one yeah. of them. And then in like 2009, football's like, hey, I have concussions. We might have a problem here. It's like, yeah, I, I knew that from all the movies I watched in the They're 90s. catching up on the Netflix queue and finally noticed. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, else, so, what else before we go? Well, should we say, I mean. I'm going to sit I, out. You guys take the last 10 no, minutes. No, I, I feel like we were teasing it. So can we, can we say that we're going to do a podcast again? Yes. Yeah. So we're doing a podcast again together. We don't know what's going to be called yet, but if you've lo- if you liked Hollywood Prospectus, I'm sure you'll enjoy this. We are I mean, launching we- a second podcast that will not be this podcast, and it will be pop culture. And we don't have a name for it yet, but it will be um, in all the same places that this one is. So iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, sure, whatever else we come up with, and we'll have a name and we'll promote it. You'll know it's out there. But it's going to happen. You guys are reunited. So yeah. you guys will be at least twice a week, right? I mean, that's the plan, right? Yeah. We're really, really excited. This is this is the best. Thank you for doing this. And a two-man. I, I won't, I'm only on this one just because this is my podcast. But for, for the yeah, future, it's you, you guys. If you guys are in this secure panic room of a house, you could just duck in at any moment, that's right? That's true. Oh, Simply Safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If Simply Safe comes through, maybe maybe <laughs> I will be able to stop code. by. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or maybe they'll just lock you all inside and it'll become a much more interesting yeah, psychodrama. Jody Foster and Kristen Stewart inside the panic room. <laughs> I actually like the thought of you guys two times a week because uh, you... You know, like just guaranteed every time because you'll be able to go a little yeah, deep. Yeah, the deep idea diving. is basically uh, we'll we'll do something on Mondays where we talk about the Sunday shows and and the big TV shows of the week, and then something a little later in the week that's like maybe more of a deep dive, one of our obsessions. Yeah, maybe bring some friends on. We yeah. have some friends of the pod now. The um, hey Renner, the invitation is o- always open. Yeah, we we should just post like these open invitations. <laughs> maybe we'll put it on his LinkedIn page. We're underneath, you know, band leader and renovator. We could just say. <laughs> Um, yeah. What else? What else did you want to plug, uh, plug with that? I don't know. I guess. We're, what, do you have anything else you wanted to plug? Is there any other shows that people should be watching right now besides Narcos? Um, I'm always going to forget one. I always forget the one that we like best. By the way, what was the name of that show? Narcos. <laughs> That's what I missed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel good. Um, I mean, it's hard to top that. I feel like the Master None is good. You're the worst is good. And you know, now here's the thing. I, I got off the clock for three days. Yeah, four days. I didn't have to watch TV, but now I gotta, I gotta get back into it. I gotta put my boots on and go back into work. Yeah. Um, well, this is great. We're gonna wrap it up. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm really happy to be back with Andy. Uh, next, I, next week, maybe. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully something. And in worst case scenario, you guys can just guest host this. But if we have our whole thing in place next week, then we'll launch it next week. And if we don't, we'll launch it two weeks from now. But, but I, next I week, you'll at least be on here. Heard. Yeah. I don't know if you guys heard. I have a lot of free time now, so <laughs> yeah, whenever, yeah. just just call me. <laughs> so at very least next week, at some point, either here or on the second yeah. podcast, yeah. we'll go. All right, take Thanks. us out. All right, Andy, uh, I can't wait to see you next week, man. Great job, Baranski. Later. Thanks again to Simply Safe. Thousands of people who want home security systems get ripped off every day. They write huge checks and sign long-term contracts with no way out. Simply Safe has no contracts. You get twenty-four-seven protection for just fourteen ninety-nine per month. Less than half what companies charge. Visit simplysafebill.com and get an exclusive offer for 10%. One more time, simplysafebill.com. Play us out, Tupac. Oh, oh, oh.
We about this bitch. Anytime y'all wanna see me again, rewind this track right here, close your eyes, and picture me rolling.